I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of Ladies Night with one of my absolute favorites. I am so thrilled to welcome Thomas and Mackenzie to the show. Hello and congratulations on last Thank night's you. Soho. Hello, thank you for having me. So I didn't warn you about this up top, but we start the show with the dice tower behind me. I've got eight questions listed here. I give you three rolls on the tower and whatever we land on, that's where we start. Very random hey. questions here. Ooh. All right, first one up. All right, we're starting with a three. Number three is four-legged friends. Do you have any pets? I love this question. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, I have a dog called Totoro, um, who is, she's a Bichon Frise Shih Tzu and um, Cavalier Cross. Uh, she's, yeah, she's, uh, I miss her so much. She's getting older, so she's a little bit grumpy these days. She's quite stubborn. She's a bit cheeky. She's not the best trained dog, but um, I love her. <laughs> She's allowed to be whatever she wants to be because we are here to serve our pets. And that is how the relationship goes. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> all right. Roll number two for you. All right. Going with a one. I'm happy we landed on this. What do you have planned for Halloween? Um, I, and this is, yeah, I feel guilty saying this, but I don't have anything planned for Halloween. I am not, I, 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 maybe I'm lazy. I don't know, but I don't put a lot of effort into dressing up. I don't put a lot of effort into decorating. I know it's really disappointing. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not really my holiday. It's not when I thrive, but, um, you know, I admire everyone who, who pull out all the stops. <laughs> All right, we, we could fix this a little. I feel like I should give you a, a Halloween movie recommendation, but first, okay. just so I get a sense of your horror taste, what, what is your favorite horror movie that you've seen? Um, uh, my favorite horror movie that I've seen is, am I allowed to say, I mean, this isn't a horror movie, but it's really scary. Am I allowed to say Coraline? No, that's, it's a pretty 
creepy yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, I want to say Coraline. I think that's the one that comes to mind now. Um, I just think it's really beautifully made. I love animation. Um, sometimes I like it more than like live performances. <laughs> that actually, yeah, that actually makes a recommendation very easy. So you just need to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas on Halloween. And it's just one big celebration of Halloween. So you kind of, I don't know, tick all the boxes with one film. Isn't there a new, there's a Corpse Bride coming out. Is that right? There is Corpse Bride as well. That's another good watch. Well, maybe it's already come out. I I watched um, the trailer for Tim Tim Burton's The Corpse Bride. Yes. With my sister recently. So I've I've been meaning to watch that. All all great options right there. (laughs) I got one more roll for you. Got a five this time. This is called must haves. What is something that you can't be on set without, whether it's your sides, a certain snack, something to pass the time in between scenes, you name it. I think my water bottle, um, you know, just because it's very important to keep hydrated um, while you're working. Um, But it becomes, you know, I feel very guilty about this, but it becomes an inconvenience to other people because I'm a very forgetful person. So oftentimes I'll just leave my water bottle in random places on set and um, I don't know, we'll have to go on the hunt for it. So yeah, it's, it's my water bottle, but it's um, it's not always the most ideal thing. As someone who's addicted to coffee, I'm always impressed when someone says their answer is a water bottle. I need that. I need you to send those vibes in my direction so I become a healthier person. I will, but I I will send those vibes, but I understand to you on the coffee because I'm a coffee lover as well. All right. It's always good to have balance. So let's get into the meat of it here. I'm going to kick it off with a complicated two-part question for you about first getting into the industry. So first, Do you remember when you first decided that you wanted to become an actor, but then do you remember the moment when you discovered that you needed to be an actor, when a performance just felt so right that you knew deep down that you had to have that feeling again? Mm, I think um, when I um, discovered that I wanted to become an actor or, or that it could be, you know, a potential career path was when I was 13, I did a film called Consent, the Louise Nicholas story, which was a, it's a true story about a woman called Louise Nicholas who was um, sexually abused by a group of policemen when she was very young. Um, And uh, she took them to court. It was, yeah, that was a a very harrowing story. And I played the young Louise um, and it kind of opened my eyes to um, the potential of like sharing really important stories through acting, through film. Um, when I realized I needed to be an actor, um, I think I keep on realizing that it's because um, it is like a, it can be quite an emotionally draining job. So you go in ups and downs. Um, but yeah, constantly rediscovering that need. I think recently was when um, I just had this year, I filmed a series called Life After Life, which was directed by John Crowley. And um, he was such a wonderful director. Um, and I had a wonderful experience on that production. And um, it was, we were coming to the last day of shooting and I just, I was just like mourning, yeah, really, really mourning the the ending 
the coming to an end of that production and um I, that's when I realized like whoa this is, this is so acting is so meaningful to me and it's just what I really love to do especially the collaboration I, I really love the discussion side of acting I think my favorite time like my favorite part of the process at the moment is the rehearsal period because you can like just kind of talk and discuss and collaborate and um, bounce your ideas off of each other because um, it really is like it's a, a team effort. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, going back to the question, I'm constantly realizing how much I need this. <laughs> I love that answer so much. It was like kind of infectious and it just filled my heart for enthusiasm for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Going way, way back. So I'm not sure if I have the dates accurate depending on when these were actually filmed, but can you tell me anything you remember about being on the set of a Hobbit movie, especially because if I have my dates right, I think you shot two smaller movies right before that. So what was your first impression of what it's like to be on a big, crazy Hollywood set? Um... I kind of, I was so young. I don't, I think you like, I think when you're that young, you kind of take those things for granted. Um, I think I was 11 maybe at the time, 11 or 12. Um, And so the thing I remember most was sitting in the makeup chair and looking to my right and seeing the shelf, um, a shelf like multiple shelves filled with, elf wigs and just like since ever since then I've been obsessed with playing an elf or a fairy or something where I could wear very much like Anya's hair so like a long platinum blonde like straight wig I think that would be like so much fun so that's like one of the things I I remember from that time um but yeah, it was just a huge production. Um, the uh, it was filmed in Miramar in Wellington, and they for the longest time they had a huge green screen up, and you couldn't miss it when you drove through Miramar. It was massive, um, and just the, the the sets that they made, especially um, I can't remember the name of the the town that it was, but it was the river town that was at the base of the at the of the mountain that um, Smog lived in, I think. Um, And it just, it was so like, yeah, incredible, absolutely incredible to to see a creation like that. So now I'm lucky enough to have a whole lot of time with you right now, but the panic is already kicking in that I'm not gonna be able to hit all of your incredible titles. So to try to get a couple in here. So you've worked with some of the most incredible directors out there. I could go on a list right now, but we will be here for quite a while. So. I imagine each and every one of them has their own unique approaches to their work, but Mm -hmm. do you ever notice any shared traits among the directing greats, things that you really appreciate that all of them do for you? I think, um, I mean, I'm not a director, so like, I don't know everything that goes into it. Um, From what I can tell, it's a really hard job because you're having to juggle so many things at once. But for me, something that I really appreciate in a director is um, when they uh, lead with kindness, I think, because they are the leader of the set. They're the one that everyone is looking to. Um, And I think great actors don't have to assert their dominance or power, but they just, they just, like that the, 
I don't know, the, the environment that they create, one that is like a, a caring and um, kind of embracing environment, one where a director who listens to people, who um, kind of incorporates different experiences and ideas. Um, I think that's, I love working with those kinds of directors. I think that's really important. Um, but again, I'm not a director. I don't know what it is to be a director. So um, yeah, but that's what, as an actress, that's what I appreciate. So bringing, bringing up the idea of a director setting the tone, it also makes me think the, you know, the actor who has the longest filmography is the most famous, is number one on the call sheet. They often have the opportunity to set the tone on set too. Yeah. So on any of your past projects, have you ever seen a co-star like that do something that you really admired and, you know, put in your back pocket to bring on to one of your films where you're number one on the call sheet? Yeah. Do you know, I think... Um... I'm thinking of Ben Foster and Leave No Trace. I think I really admired how invested he was in the film. Um, I think, um, you know, Ben really, really, really cared and about that, about Leave No Trace. And um, he was about to become a dad himself. So it meant a lot to him. Um, and he just was completely engaged and present like he had opinions and ideas and um he was excited about it um and he'd show up and he'd be he'd be ready to go and he'd be open to anything and and also how generous he was to me how open he was to like connecting with me and making me feel welcome and um I really loved working with Ben and I thought the um, kind of tone that he set was really wonderful. Um, and I just feel very lucky that I, that, that, you know, I was able to work with him and Deborah, who is incredible, him and Deborah on my first um, kind of the first film I did overseas. <laughs> Such a good movie and bringing that up. Leave No Trace is often referred to as your breakout project, and it's a very easy thing to jot down in an article, but like, did it really feel that way to you? When that movie came out and people started, started to see it, did, I don't know, did anything feel different? Did doors open that you didn't even realize were there before? I think... I think I was surprised at how well it did. Um, I love the film. I think Deborah did a wonderful job. I really do. I'm beyond proud of it. And I have such wonderful memories from that experience. But I remember watching it for the first time and it was slow. It was a slow burner and it was quiet. And it's not like a Marvel film that all my friends, you know, those were the kind of films that my friends were watching and that they would get excited about. So I was like... I didn't, I didn't think people would enjoy it. So I was so, I was so relieved and so honored when people just were so moved by it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think it did, it 100% opened doors for me. Um, I was so lucky to have gotten that role. So, so, so lucky. And it um, really was the beginning of a lot of things for me. It's one of the most exciting things to me when a movie comes out and someone out there looks at the trailer or something, it's not for me. I don't want to see that. And then they see it and mm -hmm. they wind up falling hard for it. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being a bit of a game changer, I'm curious how it reshaped what, you know, making it or the dream looked like, because, you know, you have an idea of what you want to achieve before that movie comes out and it changes the game. But again, going back to the idea of doors opening that you might not have realized were even there before, how did that impact what your ultimate goals were for what you wanted to do with an acting career? 
Hmm. I think, to be honest, I still don't know what my ultimate goals are. You don't have them. Okay. Yeah, I just want to keep on working with people. I want to keep on collaborating. I think... Something I, I did, um, you know, when Leave No Trace was released and I started going to different meetings to meet with different potential agents, um, they kind of like um, made it known to me that I could become a writer or a producer right? or I could direct. Like, you know, I don't just have to be an actress. Um, I could kind of experiment in, 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 in different kind of um uh, different yeah parts of, of creating a film um, and I don't think I'm at the stage yet to do that I definitely as I was saying like acting is I mean directing acting too but directing is a big job um, and I want some more time to like you know grow personally and kind of develop my own voice before I um, make something um, but yeah I'm very excited about what could possibly happen in the future and not just with acting but um I'd like to go to university I'd like to do lots of things and so yeah that's so cool it's so cool to know that you know at that moment you were encouraged to you know explore other areas of the industry too I feel like uh yeah I don't know I, I just would have assumed that wasn't always the case where folks wanted you guys to have tunnel vision and just focus on doing this and doing it great and doing it the best you can but yeah, that's, think, that's a good way to look at it. I think that says a lot about um the the team that I have. I'm very lucky with the um the the people that surround me with my managers and agents, and I think um you know they've always been incredibly accepting and encouraging and motivating to me. They didn't pigeonhole me. They didn't you know I don't know. They didn't um they've never like forced me one way or another it's like been a very collaborative process um they've really empowered me so I'm really lucky there speaking of the team you have behind you I'm always curious to hear a little bit about when someone makes a big decision especially when it's a big decision and you're choosing between two very good things so Mm -hmm. I remember it was announced that you had signed on for Top Gun Maverick and you decided not to do that and to pursue other projects so what, what was the collaboration with your team like when it comes to making a big decision like that? Um, I mean, I think I really listened to my team because they've been in the industry for a lot longer than I have. Um, and so they have a lot more experience than I do. Um, also, it just comes down to instincts. I think um, I was very lucky to have the option to do something else. Um, and I, I did Lost Girls instead. I, I was so honored to have been like um, considered to be a part of, of, of Top Gun. That's bloody amazing. That's really, really cool. But um, I think Lost Girls was a story that I was really interested in telling um, that had a, you know, was a female director. It had a, the, basically the entire cast was female. So um, I really wanted to be a part of that. I like that you chose, I'm sure Top Gun Maverick is going to be great, but Lost Girls is quite, quite excellent. So if anyone out there has not seen it, highly recommend it. All right. Last night in Soho now. So I've never really seen anything like this story before. Mm -hmm. So it was making me curious. Do you remember what the very first description of the story that you got was and how that compares to the final film that we're going to see now? 
Um, I honestly cannot remember what the first description was. It probably would have been psychological thriller. Um, I think it was like, because, you know, you've seen it. It's so complex. Like there's so much to the movie. It's hard to put in to, it's hard to do an elevator pitch for it. I think even like doing these interviews or Q and A's, I, I keep on like remembering moments that I'd completely forgotten about. Um, it was a little while ago that I saw the film. It was even longer ago that we actually even filmed it. Um, so I keep on, yeah, keep on remembering different things. But um, I think I didn't, you know, reading the script, it was a, gr- it's a great script, really great script, but it's such a visual film as well. So I couldn't like imagine completely what it was going to be. And so every day I'd show up on set and I'd be like, right, that's what this is going to look like. All right. That's what we're going to be doing. Or I don't know. So it was quite daunting as, you know, there's lots of stunts and dancing and all of that, but um, yeah, it was a really amazing kind of challenge for me. So I was reading a bit of the uh, of the production notes and I was reading this part where Edgar had asked you if there was anything that you'd be scared or nervous about doing and your response to that was like, no, it's all good. Let's do it. So now looking back, if you had the opportunity to re-answer his question, what, what questions would you have asked him? Um, I think... I I don't know why I said no it's all good I'm not worried about anything like mate, that was such a dumb dumb answer um because there were lots of things I should have um kind of asked more about um I think what is something I don't know it's hard because I think um you know, Edgar Shed had so much amazing material for me to pull from, um, a lot of like material that he'd been inspired by or that he was kind of like um, incorporate, incorporating ideas from into the film. So I was really lucky that I had all of that available to me. Um, maybe I should have asked how many, how long are the night shoots actually going to be? <laughs> because they were like a good three weeks maybe more um a solid night shoot so um yeah maybe I should have been a little bit more prepared for that um yeah yeah you never like going into like anything you can never be you're never as prepared as you should be it's always something that catches you off guard that's what keeps you on your toes it makes all this very exciting though yes yeah (laughs) all right another another thing that caught my eye in the production notes was was you said I want to get this right I feel like I'm coming out of this project with a lot more knowledge of what it means to be an actor so with that in mind what is a a new tool in your acting toolkit so to speak that you know you can credit to your experience on last night in Soho I think um to uh... I think the big thing is like, you know, to be able to like separate yourself from your character. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a method actress because I think that can be quite dangerous personally, at least for me. Um, I need that distinction um, between between um, me and who I'm playing, especially when, you know, you're taking on darker, dark subject matters um which I often do so I think that is it just to be able to return to myself at the end of, of the day and to spend time with family and friends and to do things that I enjoy and um not to feel as if I always need to be in 
in that character's headspace. Um, I think I thought while filming Lhasa in Soho, I thought that in order to give a good performance, um, you know, if Ali was suffering, then I should be suffering, but that's not true. I think you give, you do a better job. Again, this is just like, you know, this is me, it's different for everyone, but you give it, I do a better job when I'm actually happy because then I'm not constantly second guessing myself and um, I'm, I am able to be like proud of myself. I'm able to be proud of my work. Um, so that's really important as well, just to, you know, take care of yourself. Um, uh, yeah, and also I think just like Edgar was so, I mean, I mean, like he's such a specific director. So um, just to, yeah, he he really taught me a lot. I think I, I really admired. Like he is so passionate about what he does, and he is so invested in what he does. So um, that was really yeah inspirational to me. It's one of the things I love about him most because I think you can see that passion for what he does radiating off the screen, and that yeah. kind of quality catches on and it adds enthusiasm to the audience experience. Yeah, you really do. Like he is, you know, he's so so dedicated to what he does, and you can't, you know, you don't only see that in like in the film, but you also see that in the way he's promoting the film as well. He's putting he puts all everything into it. Um, it's really amazing. Absolutely. All right. I have to ask about some of the movie magic here. Like I'm, I'm literally sitting there watching certain scenes of this movie and I just like, I want to shout like, this is what movie magic is. And it, it excites me to no end. So I guess when it comes to the choreography, let's start with like, what was the most difficult? What was the most difficult thing to pull off? And can you kind of walk us through, you know, the technical components of how you make that happen? Mm, um, there are a lot of difficult things to pull off. Um, uh, I can't even like, don't even. My mind is running a blank. I can't even pick just one. But I, um, I definitely think the Cafe de Paris sequence, like the um, the the dancing, that was really hard to pull off because it was um, a lot of it was done live. Um, there was very little stitching or editing in that sequence, except for the one shot they used in the trailer. Otherwise, there's um, and I didn't even realize this was out. There was there's behind the scenes footage out there of Anya and I ducking and, and kind of like running or running out of shot and, um, you know, like swapping places like behind Matt, like Anya would duck down and I'd come up from behind. So, um, yeah, I think it was really complicated, but like so satisfying when we got through a whole, when we got through the whole thing, um, yeah, just it took a lot of a lot of dance rehearsals, a lot of time. Um, another another difficult thing was the opening shot with Ellie, um, kind of dancing in her paper newspaper dress through the bedroom. The difficult thing about that was that the the dress was expertly made. It was amazing, but it was so big. And whenever I twirled or whatever, it would get caught on something and rip, and I'd feel so guilty because Sam and one of the costume team. Um, she'd put so much time and effort into making it. So I was like, oh, I, know, I don't want to ruin this incredible creation. Um, but yeah, I guess another difficult thing was just like working in Soho as well during the night and during the day, like at all hours, really, because um, there are so many people that don't aren't going to, you know, aren't going to get out of your shop that will, you know, be walking right on through if they want to. I remember there was one scene outside of a nightclub with um with Michael and um, 
and there was a it was at, it was in the middle of the night and there was a, a group of drunk partiers who walked through the shot and they were trying to distract um trying to distract us but we just kept on going and eventually they realized they weren't going to get our attention so they just kind of walked off because they were bored so yeah <laughs> just dealing with that. Right there. yeah all right before i have to let you go we play one more game on collider ladies night and you're gonna play my movie my way and we're gonna put a little bit of a last night in soho spin on it so mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna build your own scenario here the first question is We've got to pick a particular place. So let's say you can rent a room in the movie or TV show house of your choice. Where do you want to rent that room? Um, I am going to say maybe like, can actually, can it, does it have to be a room? Can it be like, can it be, uh, I, I want to say the cat bus, the cat bus from my, my neighbor Totoro. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I've always wanted to sit in that cat bus because it looks so like fluffy and furry and comfortable. <laughs> the location of your choice. I don't know it very well. So you're going to have to lead me through the rest of these. So you go to, you go to sleep there and you get to experience the life of one of the characters in it. Which character do you pick and why? Um, I pick, I guess I'll pick Totoro <laughs> because um, I just think he has like um, his den in in the woods at the base of this huge tree. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen my day with Totoro. It might have been a bit of a mean one for me to choose, but he just like lives in such a beautiful green forest world, and he can fly, and he's so big and fluffy, and you just be able to hug yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not a mean one to choose because it's one I should have watched long ago. And this is going to give me the motivation to prioritize it like I should have. Okay, good. All right. The next part of this. Now you wake up and you get to take a quality of this character with you. What is it? Mm -hmm. Um, The love of nature. (laughs) Good choice. All right. One last one here because, you know, we always like to put new spins on things. So you enter this movie. What is the big twist that you want to make happen to make your version of it different? Um, I don't know. It was all a dream. That always my, worked. It's, a, it's always a good twist to lean on. My, if my English teacher heard me say that, she would not be impressed. <laughs> all right. As we wind down ladies' night, we always finish with the same questions. First one is... Can you name someone who you think is changing this industry for the better? Uh, Margaret Qualley. I've just been watching Maid recently and I just think she is so amazing and she's someone I'd really, really, really love to work with. Um, so I'm going to say Margaret Qualley because she brings such light and, and a, just a real magical spark to her performances. Excellent choice. Yet another one that I have to bump to the top of my must-watch list because I hear so some wonderful things about Maid. Final question for you now. It's a heavy one. You could take it in a lighter direction if you prefer. What is the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? Um, ooh, I'm working on it. 
<laughs> I think I'm working on them. Um, we're actually, I was talking, talking about this before because there was this cheeky spider in the room that I'm in and it, and it frightened the lovely lady sitting behind me. Um, so I used to be terrified of spiders um, and I've slowly been working my way up. So I've slowly been um, able to like hold spiders in my hand, little tiny ones, and then take them outside and set them free. Um, I don't know, I'm working on it. I was about to say your spiders are my bees, but I have not made near as much progress. So you're doing a lot better than I am. I love bees. I've never, I've, I love bees ever since Leave No Trace. That's another thing I took from Leave No Trace is, is love of bees. I've never been afraid of them. I'm just like in, in awe of them. I know they're good. I know they're good. They're good. I can't relax, but maybe I should just like throw myself into it. and Maybe don't throw, your, don't throw yourself into a hive. I don't think but not that no <laughs> but I think just um yeah just stay calm and collected okay I'm gonna I'm gonna take that advice and roll with it Thomason thank you so much for spending some time on ladies night with us again congratulations on last night in Zoho I am a little obsessed with it and huge congratulations on your tire filmography you are exceptional thank you thank you for having me it was lovely seeing you again 